The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of myself and my guests and do not reflect those of the Walt Disney Company or anyone else's employers. Good evening. Uh, You're gonna be here all night. Ready, Sue? <laughs> We've got a spectacular show with some amazing talent. Dad, oh. take the kids home and watch out for Timmy. He's a biter. I'm not changing any diapers. The producer said the ratings were dropping. <laughs> of course they were. Look at you guys. No. Ew. She said that? I'm the Duke of Weasel Town. Oh, money. You complete me. Hey, dearie, call Judy. Oh, I cannot get the password. No, no. Oh, hun, face scan. Oh, nice one. Life was hard for small mammals. Get a little musky, that's fine. The family you have makes you rich. The friends you choose makes them family. And with these things, you will never feel small. Salud! There's the train! Hang on! Ah! Embrace your body and be free. Ah! I just saw the one place on a sheep that has no wool. Stream it on Disney Plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Podcast Without a Cool Acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows or sometimes shows created by Disney Feature Animation, exclusively for Disney+. Plus. I'm your host, Chandler Deroche. Joining me on the podcast today via Zoom, we have Micah Hirsch. Oh, I don't have anything clever to say, I'm sorry. Brandon Kroger. Hi, I'm the, I'm the number one Nick Wilde stan. And joining us today for the very first time, all the way from Orlando, Florida, we have Tucker and Ruth. We are uh, just just want to quick quickly say that we are just huge fans of uh, Zootopia. It is one of the big things that uh, brought both of us together. We are very much a Nick and Judy couple. If they were ever to be a couple, hopefully they will. So. Oh yeah, they will. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it means a lot to us. Uh, we I think I speak for most of us when I say that we've waited quite a while for uh, additional Zootopia content and. Here we have this to kind of tide us over if maybe something might be uh, in the works. Uh, and also joining us today is our good friend Ava Moss. Ava, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you contributed to the subject of today's episode? <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, well, I am a production coordinator at the Walt Disney uh, Animation Studios. I uh, just want to uh, just want to disclaimer that of what I say uh, represents um, 
or speaks for the Walt Disney Company or the studio. Um, but back in 2021 and a little parts of 2020, I was a production assistant um, for Zootopia Plus um, when it was in its working name, Zarmat. Um, when it was in development. So I was a production assistant um, when they were still deep into story, when it was going through its early storyboards and we were trying to get the episodes uh, hammered out and trying to get the story solidified. And then I joined them uh, still when uh, they were getting out of development and they were uh, crossing into the early parts of story into production. So I'm very happy, you know, just to talk about my experience and what it was like working on that production and how fun it was. Yeah, this is a really fun little show. It's it's six episodes. It's sort of an anthology, but it also all fits into the story of the movie. It's so Utopia it's kind of one and a half and six. It's parts, Utopia basically. one and a half in a way, which is really fun. I really, I really like how this all worked out. It's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. But yeah, um, I can dive in a little bit um, into just the process of what it was like working on. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I in. Uh, just to preface, I may slip in and say Zermat sometimes because that was the running title uh, before we uh, named it Zootopia Plus. Um, but for, Zoot um, for Zootopia Plus, it was unique because um, we wanted it to be board-driven. Uh, the directors, Trent Corey and Josie Trinidad, uh, Josie Trinidad, she was actually the head of story on the original feature, Zootopia, that came out in 2016. Um, Trent wanted her to join and help him direct and uh, and they wanted it to be board driven and what that means is there's no you know script there's really no formal writer and it's going back to the old days um, you know if, if you're familiar with animation history Walt Disney uh, really didn't have scripts for his features uh, like Snow White, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi, uh, you really developed the film on storyboards because animation is such a unique medium where you have to develop the film visually. And we wanted to have a, a board-driven show and get back to how animation um, is historically developed. And so we got board artists to you know, take the episodes that Trent originally developed, um, the ideas he developed, and to, you know, go through and just take a whack at it. Um, so from Mousewives, you, you know, the real house, the real Mousewives of Rodentia, uh, to So You Think You Can Prance, uh, Godfather of the Bride, each storyboard artist, they they took these stories and they went through and, you know, they created a little bit of their own dialogue um, and they interpreted the story in a way that, you know, they, they were pretty much their own little directors of these episodes. And they came together in the story room. We all came together and, you know, they pitched it and, you know, the directors gave feedback and it was such just a fun environment because we were able to revisit the world of Zootopia. And as you know, the world of Zootopia is so 
outlandishly extravagant and it's exaggerated and it's so cartoony and these characters are so memorable and they're they're just they just resonate with so many people and we were able just to you know think of these stories for these characters that we already know and even you know get original characters in there uh like sam from from dinner dash uh with uh flash the sloth and we were able to just think of you know these crazy ideas i remember when we were developing mouse wives and just the the wacky things that came out of that like oh what if, uh something crazy i pitched uh you know what if we actually had you know that classic cartoony fight where true true and fruit fruit getting the little spat and, like they, they tumble around and there's like that you know smoky cloud of you know you just see hair and claws and then they're just rolling around on the floor like being able to get back to that cartooniness of it all and it, it was just such a pleasure to work with Trent and Josie and all the story artists and everyone on that team because they were so open to the ideas and it was the most collaborative environment that I was a part of and you know I even though I was only taking notes and being in edit sessions. And I was able to do a scratch record. And if you don't know what that is, it's before we get the talent to do their voiceover work, we have to do scratch audio, whereas we just get, you know, some people in the studio, story artists, other people we know who are good at voiceover work and doing voices for the characters. So I, I do voiceover work for the studio and I was able to do it. Uh, for a couple characters throughout a couple episodes of the series. So that was fun, too. And it, it was just such a great experience. But these episodes turned out so great. I'm so proud of them. And, you know, seeing everyone's reaction at the rap party we had back in June, the, you know, the crowd was in stitches. It's when the studio got to see them. Everyone at the studio got to like finally see the final product. It was just great. So I'm glad. I hope you all enjoyed them as much as I had you know, being a part of the, you know, the process of getting them off the ground. But, you know, Zootopia is one of those worlds that we all love. And I'm glad that we got to revisit it. That's so that's so cool. And I, I think I speak for everyone here. We all loved it. Uh, we get to see kind of the this world from a different perspective from, you know, all these different characters. I think that's so much fun um starting with hop on board that one is that might be the most kind of rosencrantz and gildenstroner dead kind of thing in all these i mean all of them are happening during the movie um but this one especially is literally like judy's you know having this having this wonderful moment where she sees utopia for the first time and she's listening to gazelle and on her earbuds it's like judy turn around your your little sister is in, is in trouble i love I, that i love i love this whole I, frantic frantic car chase with judy's parents it's so much fun i found that one to be the most humorous i, I think that might in, end up being my uh most favorite of all yeah, <laughs> we get a competition. It's a tough competition for sure. D d which one is my favorite? Um, because I love all of them for different reasons. I think they're all so much fun. Um, that one, I think, I think might there might be the least to, to say about it other than just, it, it's very fast paced and and um uh, and very very funny. The whole the whole thing. Yeah, the dialogue between a. a... Bonnie and Stu is just the banter between those two is just 
That was Don't. perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I love it. <laughs> and, and when when did when did Bonnie learn how to hotwire a car like that? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe as she she's what helped Judy learn to uh, start up the uh, Doug's lab and train cart. That's a good point. <laughs> Bunny Vin Diesel, man. And um, real, real rodents of little rodentia, like that one. Just, just, oh my god, it's so, so good. Like it, it nails the 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 Real Housewives slash, like you know, I mean, mainly Real Housewives, but also like you know, you've got the, the Jersey Shore and other shows like that that it's kind of um, peg homage to. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so perfect. I love that. <laughs> I I love how we get we get the moment when um when Fru Fru almost gets uh um crushed by the donut and Judy and Judy saves her and it just cuts to the interview and she's like you know when when you almost get crushed by a giant donut it really gives you some perspective into life. <laughs> there was actually a, a funny moment with that <laughs> that I have to share. Uh, we brought uh, Leah Latham. She's the original voice of Fru Fru. And um, she's actually a senior production. She's actually a production manager now um, at the studio. And um, we brought her in um, to, you know, uh, record those lines with us live. And she was, she was in her closet at home. And we were doing this over Zoom. And the directors were, you know, you know, hearing the lines and they were giving her direction. And she did this one take where she was like, you know, when you're about to get crushed by a giant donut and the inflection that she did on it had us all in stitches. They didn't end up going with that one, but the, the way she went up on donut, it, it, oh my goodness, we were all laughing so hard, but just the things that you get out of recording sessions, you, you, you just never know what you're going to get. And and that's just a part of the fun of the process. It, it's so, it's so good. I love it. And, um, and I like how that one goes into, um, Godfather of the bride where we kind of get Mr. Big's backstory. Mm-hmm. That was a wonderfully crafted backstory. I absolutely love that one. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was very, um, back to the note of the real mouse Prudentia with the bouquet throwing scene. I actually, I actually always had this little, like, like, um, theory that what if when she threw the bouquet, Judy caught it, and basically, like, Nick and Judy kind of looked at each other for a minute, and Rufu made a speculation, but it was interesting to see that it actually turned out to be a Night Howler bouquet, but I don't remember, like, when they're taking the photos with, uh, in the scene, like, in in Zootopia, like when they're doing that little mo- that little wedding montage, I don't remember her bouquet. I haven't gone back to fact check it, but I don't remember her bu- bouquet when she was taking photos. It being the Night Howlers, but I think that's something I'd have to go back and fact check. I like the I like the part in Godfather of the Bride where they were on the boat crossing the ocean, but it was just like a puddle. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> And here I'm, I'm thinking, oh, now we've got, like, a real official confirmation that there are other 
uh, places other than Zootopia in the world of Zootopia. There's at least uh, a bunny burrow. Right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense that there's obviously going to be other places. Oh, Zootopia is like the big metropolis that that is like the biggest city in the region. And if memory serves, um, I do believe Nick um, uh, mentions uh, something outside of. Ah, uh, uh, shoot! It was it was when uh, Judy was um, uh, tracking him down after like, oh, okay, so your whole uh, popsicle scheme is. Um, is oh, did, po- uh, uh, yes. Podunk is in Deerbrook County, and I grew up in. Yes. Yeah. It would be interesting to see maybe if they explore more of the worlds. Hmm. More, yeah, but it was cute to see that the little distance when he was <laughs> moving to Zootopia it wasn't really that far at all. <laughs> but I loved how the little polar bear helped bring the, uh, which I think we're all in agreement that's Kozlov. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah, bringing his. There's the, uh, the goat, old goat uh, meter maids. Yes, um, concept concept character that they um, recycled for um, uh, Duke's uh, musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah the, the puddle gag um, in Godfather, that was uh, boarded by Michael Herrera, the, super, the story supervisor. Um, he's now at Warner Brothers Animation, but yeah, Michael was the, the, the power uh, behind that behind that short along, along with uh, Alan Ostergaard. Um, they, they made a great pair that short. Uh, it was really fun. Yes. I think the next one is the, the Duke musical. Is that the, yes. one, like, the order right? Oh, the Duke musical. Yes. I love that one. Duke-sical. Godfather, I think. Well, the Godfather one is episode four. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hmm. So then it's Duke episode three. I guess. Yeah, Duke is episode three. Okay. Duke is episode three. We're kind of breezing through these. Um <laughs> I just I just find Alan Tudyk really funny. He's yeah. Alan, Alan Tudyk is a national treasure. He uh yeah. Yes, I I'm starting to notice that he's pretty much the John Ratzenberger of Disney animation. Um, oh, he's also been in some of some uh, other stuff too not outside of the animation which is really interesting like he was in disenchanted yeah. uh, which is you know a different what? studio he did uh, he did rogue one i think yes he was yes in rogue one, yeah, he he was rogue one. In, i believe he was in he was the, aladdin, the aladdin remake where iago doesn't talk he just makes yeah. parrot sounds as iago um I remember yeah, I, cool. yeah, I gotta see that. I gotta see the live action Aladdin too. But I was yeah, despite a- her being a um, yeah, my beloved here uh, being um, big Disney fan, she, there's still uh, quite a bit of cu- uh, catching up she has to do. Yeah, I'm just I'm a very busy bunny, so <laughs> I, it takes me a while to finally sit down and watch something sometimes. Come <laughs> <In> here. <laughs> And of course, Alan Tudyk was in uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil as well for DTVA. Oh, oh yeah, Ludo. Okay. It was two different characters. He was Ludo, and he was a uh, dad, <laughs> Star's dad. Oh yeah, that's right. He was. I think his is name it, was. Yeah, is this the River? first time 
now that I think about it, you know, was this the first time we actually heard Alan Tudyk sing, though? I don't think we've heard him sing it anything else before. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I'm yeah, trying to I think of an instance where he sang. I don't know of any Disney things where he sung. Yeah. I don't know if there's other things where he sung or not. I don't know, because he has a show on sci-fi, which I haven't watched much of. Probably doesn't sing in that, but it's just a thing that I thought of at the moment, where he plays an alien. Um, of course, uh, it's funny that they took that this this character, um, his entire name is just a reference to Frozen, basically, <laughs> and they gave him a musical. <laughs> the Duke of Weasel Town. Whistleton. Uh, for this for this episode, um. I was, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Josie one day, and uh, Duke, uh, Duke, he was always going to have an episode, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to go about it, and I was kind of suggesting like, oh, well, what if, um, oh, it'd be really cool if like uh, Bellwether. You know, she has like a Chicago style musical of her trying to break out of jail. Um, mm. And and that musical idea stuck and uh, they transferred it over to Duke. So because of my suggestion, um, Duke then became a musical because it was originally going to be some kind of, you know, heist action uh, film. I think that's exactly why doing it as a musical ends up being so much funnier because it's the exact opposite of what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. That... So, yeah. and I remember the first meeting we had uh, where Giacchino and his team, they took their pass of the song and they presented it to us and we listened to it and it's, it was pretty much always the same and you know with a couple changes here and there and they presented it with you know the animatic and the storyboards and it it was just so funny and every time they plussed it they enhanced it and it turned out so great and seeing the final product because I was only there I, I, I left the project before they uh hit layout but it turned out so great and Duke is one of my favorite of the yeah, shorts and I love that just majority of the short is just this one song (laughs) yeah like there's like maybe a minute or two before the song and then the rest of it's the rest of like seven ten minute or however long it is short is just the song yeah (laughs) i love how during this whole fantasy musical sequence that's happening in his head um duke is dealing with the consequences of his actions of all these people that he's ripped off and the donut is like, I just plain don't like you. <laughs> I just would love to someday see more of... Oh, wait, you took my kidney. That was a terrible car. I lost my life savings. I just plain don't like you. <laughs> I would love to someday to like see more uh, those bootleg movies. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> more recent yeah. ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What See what the other... the Zootopia version of Encanto yeah. be? What is what other Disney Frozen, but the ski lift one. <laughs> like wow. in 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 Camel to in, in Camel to? I don't know. <laughs> in Camel to. 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 
Tato, and they're all and they're all South, um, like Jaguar. There's like a family of Jaguars and stuff, and like and so that's that's about the best. I smell, I, I, I smell genius here. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a creative writer. <laughs> You know, I you know back to when you said about uh, bellwether though. Um, I was curious. Do you guys have any um other concept ideas like maybe Finnick, Nick's mom, or Mayor Lionheart? Were Interesting. Like... You bring up Finnick. Um, was the death of Tommy Lister? I was also going to ask that. Any too. anything that affected um the any, production? Yeah, the production for anything you wanted to do with Finnick. Um. No, I, um, we I mainly was working at the stage where Trent had already. Uh, developed certain ideas with certain characters. Um, the one episode that had gone through a lot of character changes um, was Dinner Rush. Um, that was a major. That was a major character change because uh, we were dancing with like, oh, should Sam? Should we have Sam be there? Should it be Mrs. Otterton? Like. Um, there were major character changes with that one, but in terms of um, having Finnick in there, um, there may have been talk along the lines because story does change so often um, that one day it could be, hey, we should have Finnick in here. Hey, we should. Um, but but in terms of uh, Lionheart um, and Bellwether, they, uh, the directors and even... Um, executive producers like Jen, Jared, and Byron, who were heavily involved and the directors on the first movie, they were pretty sure they, they were definite um, that characters like that should remain, you know, in jail, you know, according to canon, that they shouldn't be involved. And, and that was that. We shouldn't see them in these. Oh, so I heard, I actually heard from the graphic novel that Lionheart was reinstated as mayor, so that is inaccurate. He was not reinstated. Oh, I, I can't I can't speak to the graphic novel. Um that all yeah. I, I don't know if we have I don't know if that's licensed by us. Um but we go um I guess our canon that speaks more to you know what we released in films and the show. So, yeah, so within the, the story of the show, so as far as the canon of the movie, the canon is Lionheart is currently not, he's still in jail. Is that, is that accurate? So according to the film, yes, he's in, he's in jail. The last time we saw him in the film. Oh, so we're just I, off of speculation from the last time we see him in the film. I see what you're saying. Yeah, not everyone has read the graphic novel. <laughs> Yeah, right. I I didn't read the graphic novel either. I'm just um I'm just uh you know, I'm just a it's, I'm a it's web information detective. based off of what I'm more, a, more than likely told you. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just a web detective. I'm well, I'm pretty much just a detective in general. But yeah, I just That's look fine. everywhere. And I'm very <laughs> thorough search and such. Yeah, I I can personally say that uh, Disney is very, especially our studio, we're very careful about well, you know what we put out there and what, you know, where our stories go and how our stories are represented. So in, in, in terms of the world of Zootopia, uh, you know, in the stories of our characters, the film, and now this current show is, you know, official. Yeah. Yeah. And which is completely understandable. I know 
how hush hush you know the the industry can be. Uh, you know, one question I did have: Did it ever cross your guys' mind to make a Jax? I'm I'm not saying if it like got as far as the storyboarding process, but did it ever cross your minds? What if we did a Jack Savage short? Did that ever even cross your? Mind? A Jack Savage. I'm not familiar with that character. Jack Savage was the original character Byron Howard pitched to um, John Lasseter. Basically, he was going to be a gray jackrabbit with like <laughs> black stripes across his uh face and he was gonna be like some sort of super spy but um the uh, disney thought it was too soon to do another spy movie after cars 2 but they loved the idea of a world made for animals made by animals so they kept the animal idea but they uh ditched the whole spy thing but jack savage was literally the first original zootopia character ever created i'm not sure uh i mean characters and stories can always get revisited um i'm sure byron's on i think byron's on twitter that's something that can that you can always tweet to him about he answers people i think on twitter but yeah yeah He's been absent from Twitter. I noticed his uh, Twitter MIA yeah, recently. Yeah. yeah, which which also brought me another question: Did he have any, even a, a slight amount of hand working on Zootopia Plus, or he was just kind of off off the off the chart for this one? He wasn't uh, working on this at all. Oh, oh, Byron's credited as an executive producer. Um, yes, yeah, so Jer- so Jared Byron uh, came back and they gave notes on the episodes because they they were on the first film so they came back to ensure that you know the characters stayed true to the tone of the first film but yeah they they were involved and they and they had so much fun working on and it was good to have them back that was great yeah because the in my opinion zootopia is byron's it's byron's baby and i really i'm glad he has been so close in hand with this because I've heard of stories where like people make stories, but then their stories don't belong to them; it belongs to something else. But I'm glad Disney is being um, loyal to the fact that this is Byron's. This is by like I know I know other people. Like I'm not I'm not exclusively giving the to Byron. I know all of you guys did a, a great job, but I'm just saying he was the one who pitched it. He was the one who, like started the ball rolling. And I'm glad he he's been kept on this project. But like I said, I'm not giving him exclusive credit. Zootopia could not have been what it was without all of you guys, without every single one of you. You all made it incredible. And it will forever be, um, I mean, you know, that Entangled will forever be my favorite Disney movies, especially since because of Zootopia, I was able to meet my best friend, later turned boyfriend. So. I owe Zootopia. It's it's an incredible, beautiful movie. It's fun, and I love it. And thank you all. All thank you all for that wonderful movie. I'll I'll be sure to convey that. <laughs> that it's meant. Oh, 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 sorry. Um, go ahead. Oh, it six years ago. Um, <laughs> of course, my. Uh, my family was a little bit annoyed that I was obsessed with it, maybe a little over-obsessed, but it has meant so much to me over the years, so I cannot express how grateful I am for it. 
Well, what's so fun about doing a board-driven show is that, you know, you you just have so many people that can contribute to it, that can, you know, little things change over time and get added and get punched up. Uh, I mean, that's how, um, that's how Dan and Swami and the crew made Phineas and Ferb and Milo and... How Dan's making Hamster and Gretel. Um, you know, board-driven board shows are so much fun in general. Board-driven is more or less how uh, the version of the Emperor's New Groove we got uh, came to be the way it is. It had, right. it had a script, but the script wasn't really finished until after the movie had come out. It's kind of the it's closest It's kind of the closest animation you have. Because you're just yeah. constantly yes-anding other things. Uh, you're constantly yes ending stuff other people of, have come up with. Uh, has the spontaneity of like improv type thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know we but touched on it. You're making while you're making it, which makes it easier than I imagine, makes it more fun than just writing on a blank piece of paper. Yeah, <laughs> on, you know, on your computer. Blank screen. Not, not, not to say anything against script, script-driven shows versus oh. board-driven shows, but I think that definitely. Oh, not anything against them. I'm just saying that's one advantage you have is you can see what you're making as you're making it because you know you can get a you can get a feel for it more. I think. Yeah. Um, Godfather of the Bride. That one's just oh, it's so good. I love it. I love. Uh, so you think? I know the last one is the Dinner Dash one. Yeah, Dinner Rush was the last one, and then Say so, so You Think You Can Dance was fun, because that's um, Clawhauser basically tricking Chief Bogo into auditioning for So You Think You Can Prance with him. I, I, I'm I still trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw him show up, I'm like, wait, is this, the, this is what we're doing here? Oh, what? Yeah. And then it ends up being, uh, the whole thing being uh, it's like, oh, okay. That makes sense, <laughs> but it's it's oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Um, I will say though, they didn't really prance; they kind of just flew around on wires, and I don't know if that counts. Yeah, uh, you just they, have to have the name that's a parody of "So You Think You Can Dance." Yeah. I don't think there's any word. And I know, I noticed the lemur bullies that I noticed the concepts, the lemurs in the car, the convertible. They were concept characters that original in the dystopia universe, where they all had the shock collars. These two lemurs would run over Nick's tail. They would always try to get his collar to buzz off. I did pick that up about those two. So it was cool seeing those little guys in there. And it was great to have Shakira back. Yes, of and it was great to um it's just great to see Chief Bolo and Glahauser dancing together. Yes. <laughs> Having a good oh, time. Fun. <laughs> I would <I> call that. <laughs> and the chem the chemistry between like <laughs> personas that they present themselves with is really great. Um, because Bogo presents himself as this tough, this, he has this tough exterior, whereas Clawhauser is very openly, uh, not that. 
By the way, if we do get some uh, some Zootopia rever- representation in the parks, I really hope that we'll be in able the, to get in the, in, the, in, the, in the American parks. Yeah, in the, in the American parks. Obviously, there is the Zootopia land going to Shanghai. Uh, but if we get Zootopia representation in the American parks, I really hope we get. Um, I really hope we get those gnolies too from from Godfather of the Bride. That would be that would be fantastic. I would love some cannolis. So, do they eat tiramisu? Tiramisu. So, I actually have found a recipe online, and I follow it to the letter. I make Nick's popsicles, and it is the best frozen treat yeah. I ever had. Yeah. Oh, fix yeah, we have the place sure. where you get that from, or is it somewhere else? Because I know there's a thing called food fiction, like on YouTube, that tells you, and then they have links to recipes and stuff for different uh, di- fictional food items. I think it's the, I think it's the official Disney.com. Yeah, that, well, it's like, uh, oh golly, it was um, a site that they had, and then they took it down, but I um, found a site that has the exact recipe word for word. But I also oh, saw the recipe on Disney Channel when my siblings were watching something about the recipe, and then you told me what the recipe was. I was like, that's the recipe I saw on TV. <laughs> I have made popsicles, but I've made them in Disney Dreamlight Valley, which I love playing, by the way. So he's made, he's made them in real life, and I've made them in the Dreamlight Valley. <laughs> as long as you don't actually make them with... Uh... Fox Paw Prince. <laughs> what? Anyone else here ever worked in a restaurant and absolutely feel Sam's struggle in Dinner Rush? Yeah. No, I haven't worked in a restaurant, but I understand that. I understand that it's very stressful for the people who have. I understand it from a grocery point of view because uh, I have been in a grocery store where their big uh, draw is that you have bag boys called Cursey Clerks. That basically not only bag the the groceries, but they're also um, take out the groceries as a courtesy um, to the customers' cars. But so I is it the grocery store that is also well known for their chicken tender sandwiches? Uh, Rushing back and forth, back and forth, and everyone else is like lazy dazing it about it. Just uh, yeah, let me just go back inside while I'm just on my phone. (laughs) Of course. You get to see what the ending of the movie was, basically. Yeah. Um, in that one. Yeah, so I really expect okay. uh, to have an explanation as to why Flash was speeding, but that was... Clever. Yeah, that was very clever. I actually wow. did. I didn't expect it until I watched the short, but as soon as I learned it at the very end that she was telling them she had to get the confidence, like, oh, they're going to be speeding, and that's going to explain how they were... That at the why they were doing that at the end of the movie, isn't it? And then it was. Yeah, somehow I did not think of that. I, I mean, here I was thinking that Dinner Dash was going to take place right after Nick and Judy left the DMV. But I do have a question, though. Um, I thought that um, Flash doing his dash at the end of the the movie. I thought that took place in the morning, but the, um, Sam he said she had to get off at um. She had to get off at like what was it five or six? Or, but basically, basically indicating that was in the afternoon. But I thought their police chase took place in the morning. So 
when you notice something like that, a wizard did it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like an early morning shift and it's like a 24-hour restaurant, then it could be said that maybe... No, but it can't be because the concert took place at night, so then that can't that can't be it either. So unless the only other explanation is that Nick and Judy were driving around all day long looking for this, uh, looking for this uh, street racer. So that that is the only explanation. Well, it's entirely possible that Flash drives like that just just for kicks. <laughs> yes, yes, but that wouldn't explain why the otter was in the car with them, though. Because they were rushing to get to the concert, so. Yeah, did you have something you wanted to say about this one? Oh, yeah. This is the episode that went through a lot of iterations of what it was going to be. Because we always knew that we wanted that to, for Flash to go on a date, but in what setting? So, originally, we were like, well, what if Flash is the subject of a you know, a how-to, like, you know, those old goofy shorts of, like, how to swim, how to go, you know, how to go on a date. And then there was another idea that we kind of got deep into of, like, David uh, uh, Gobenborough or something, like, uh, narrating a nature documentary of, of a sloth going on a date. Like, first the sloth, you know, gets ready in his natural habitat, like something like that. And then, like, we hear, like, we see uh, David at uh, Goatenboro getting irritated because Flash is going really slow, combing his hair and brushing his teeth. And that was really funny. Um, but there was a lot of um, talk around, like, we didn't want Flash to be the subject of, you know, ridicule or humor we didn't want to be making fun of flash we want to be making fun we wanted to be laughing with flash and we realized what made flash so funny in the first movie was the reaction of others uh, like reacting to flash's like movements to his pace of things because we didn't want people to to see flash as his pace being wrong we just wanted to see others seeing Flash as, oh, my gosh, like, they have to react to it. So that's why we introduced Sam in the setting of going on a date and having to serve um, Flash and Priscilla. And that's when we got, you know, we started getting that energy and that magic of, okay, this is good. We, we really like this. And then one of our board artists will... Um, he, you know, boarded that moment of them coming in the door and, you know, Sam is waiting for them to get to their table and then she, like, moves the table to them and, oh my goodness, the room just broke out into such laughter. Um, but yeah, there's just so much went on with that short movie. It, it ended up being so great. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a good time. Yeah. I also thought the little proposal at the end was cute but do you guys also know that uh, which i'm assuming Kristen bell did come back to play priscilla i mean because seeing how much she loves sloth i think that so, was... yeah i think it's her name in the yeah yeah, yeah, yeah she she's was... in there yes yes she came back you know she is the i believe she's the only actress to have two disney disney proposal moments 
random trailer voice my name is d gill and welcome to mouse at the movies the brand new sub-series here on the podcast without a cool acronym where we take a look at the latest disney movies that have reached the big screen in this segment i will be going over the latest release from the walt disney company whether it be through walt disney feature animation pixar marvel star wars or even some select 20th century studios films Pretty much the same rationale that Chandler uses to review whatever he wants on Disney+. Plus. I will use it to go over what works, what didn't work, and the immediate impact of the latest Disney releases in theaters now. And today for our inaugural episode, we will be going over Strange World. Directed by Don Hall and written by screenwriter Key Wynn and with music by Henry Jackman, after a remarkable discovery in the mountains fractures the explorer family of the clades, the secret behind that discovery threatens to spell the end of the Valley of Avalonia where they call home. The remaining clades are then tasked to venture out to a secret world where everything is alive and nothing is as it seems. The movie stars the voices of Jake Gyllenhaal, Dennis Quaid, Jabuki Young-White, Gabrielle Union, Lucy Liu, and Alan Tudyk. What works? Right off the bat, the world building is the strongest suit here in Strange World. Uh, everything from the fascinating airships and designs of the various bits of technology inside Avalonia, past and present, because there is a bit of a time jump in the movie, all of it is... While not necessarily toyetically designed, very appealing to the eye and reminiscent of blimps and various dirigibles and whatnot, yet still kind of blended with a modern technology at the same time. It's kind of like how Treasure Planet did it with its sort of 70-30 approach to designing their ships and locations used in the film. And of course, when we get to the titular Strange World, the fantastical creature design and uh, design of the Strange World itself is fully on display, and it looks wonderful. Extremely trippy, wonderful use of colors, and not only that, everything is explained in a way that makes perfect sense. As far as, you know, a giant world where everything is alive does. But everything is explained clearly, and nothing feels inexplicable. It all feels like it all belongs in that same strange world. Another thing that works is the animation. As you could probably tell from the trailers, this isn't your average modern-day Disney design. Instead, this harkens back to the era of pulp comic books and the style of Disney animation at the time, which has, you know, slightly smaller but yet still very expressive eyes and very fluid animation. But with the design work in mind, the character animation is very energetic, very lively, and moves with a lot of really good flow and timing. It's just very, very lovely to look at. I also find that the characters work very well in the story, as they are portrayed as very likable, and their motivations and what drives them are made perfectly crystal clear throughout the movie. You get a feel of each individual character's personality, and of course what they want to achieve throughout the movie. What doesn't? 
The big problem for me with this movie was that the pacing goes a mile a minute. Now, for an adventure movie, ordinarily, this wouldn't seem like a bad idea, because you want to keep the pace lively and energetic as much as the animation is. However, this movie moves way too fast. I am talking at the speed of sound from the first scene. It is remarkably fast-paced, and as a result, there's a lack of engagement. I'm, I'm not given enough time with these characters to really feel for what they're going through. I'm just kind of being dragged along at breakneck speed along with them rather than being in the adventure with them. A side effect of this is that there is very little time to breathe in this movie. I can only think of one or two scenes where things actually slow down long enough for us to get a feel for a few of the characters and identify with them. And another side effect of the breakneck pacing is that it robs potential for character dimension. Namely, that while the characters are very likable and well-motivated, it feels like they only have one want or desire each. One of the characters is into farming, the other is into exploring, the other is into trading cards. It feels very simplistic, and if we had a chance to slow down a bit more, we might have been able to have more time to give them more to do and more to want other than just one thing. What doesn't quite work is probably one of the big issues I have with the writing in that while the plot is perfectly fine, it's well structured, it flows well, despite the extremely fast pace, I feel like there isn't much in terms of a satisfactory hook for the movie. Nothing that you could really come across in a trailer or a poster or even kind of a quick pitch to your friends to kind of immediately sell them on the movie. And sure, there are one or two instantly identifiable characters like Splat or Legend, who are two of the sidekicks featured in the movie. The idea of an intergenerational family squabble just, just doesn't seem like a particularly strong hook for a movie. The Impact Sadly, the impact of Strange World in the popular culture has been how nobody knew not only what this was about, but when it was coming out, because sadly, the marketing has just not been there for this movie. You had a couple of trailers, some sparse social media coverage, a few interviews here, a few billboards there, but just not a lot of excitement for this movie. Top it off with the trailers and posters not being particularly attention-grabbing and just not being pushed all that much um, by Disney. Regrettably, Strange World has become something of a box office bomb with reports as of this recording looking like it could take a $147 million loss, which is one of the biggest losses in the animation division, which is ultimately a shame because despite the problems of the movie, I quite enjoyed myself the multiple times that I've been to go and see it. As is, the movie is perfectly enjoyable. I recommend giving it a watch at least once, uh, especially with its imminent release on Disney Plus around the corner for the holiday season. But perhaps the biggest contribution that this has to Disney history is that Strange World is the very first theatrical movie to use the Centennial Disney logo, which was something of a treat to see on the big screen. I wasn't quite expecting to see it, and it was truly magical to see on the big screen for the first time, even though the rest of the movie is, in and of itself, ultimately fine. 
So if you're in the mood for a perfectly serviceable adventure story in the veins of Treasure Planet and Atlantis, I highly recommend giving Strange World a watch. Thank you for joining me on Mouse at the Movies, and now, let's get back to the podcast. You know what I was a little bit surprised I didn't see in the in the Godfather of the Bride where I was a little bit surprised I was like because I, I was waiting and it's totally I'm not because that short was amazing I thought it was nice to take a look back in time with Zootopia and I think that's one of the things I really liked about that was that we got to look back in time to what Zootopia used to be um but it was I was kind of waiting to see an orange, and if you know if you know the secret references of the Godfather, you'll know why I was in, was kind of expecting to see an orange or so. I have to confess, I have not actually seen the Godfather. <laughs> you're not you're not alone. I haven't seen it all the way beginning to end, but basically every time the Godfather. Isis someone in The Godfather, and we know what that reference is. I'm trying to keep things a little family-friendly here. But basically, right before The Godfather takes care of someone, there's an orange in the scene. I'm expecting, like, before Mr. Big's first victim, like, to see a little bit of, like, an orange or something. So I was like, well, I guess they didn't do that. But I was like, if they did that, that would have been a perfect nod to The Godfather. But It would have. This is irrelevant to this particular series, but one thing that makes me sad every time I watch Utopia now is that there's a reference to Gigantic in there. <laughs> and that yeah. became a movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh. When you put it in Easter egg to a movie that gets cancelled. And I noticed they didn't have a Wreck-It Ralph 2. They had a Wreck-It, Wreck-It Rhino, but they didn't have Wreck-It Rhino 2. I'm wondering what stage of productions Wreck-It Ralph was when they pitched that scene and came up with that scene. The second Ralph Breaks the Internet, what stage Why of production? I watch the, the Because they knew they were going to do a Frozen sequel, but they because they had the Frozen sequel, but they didn't have the Wreck-It Rhino sequel. The thing that really freaked me out was when the Princess and the Pea got announced. Like, I think the mind is... Oh, this was when Frozen finished. This is like when Frozen was. I ha- haven't even been put in theaters, but me and my sister were speculating what if Disney did this fairy tale? Because once Tangled came out, my sister and I were like thinking, what kind of Disney remakes will they be doing? Snow Queen was one of them. When we heard Snow Queen got confirmed, uh, we waited like the whole year and a half to see Frozen, the whole two years or something. But we were so excited to see. To, to, no, three years. We waited three years because. No, wait. No, it was like two, something like two and a half. Because right after we saw Tangled, which we first saw on DVD, we were super excited to see Frozen. And we were assuming, like, what if they did um, uh, Rumpelstiltskin, which we found out that they were, they had a canceled project called. And then I was thinking, what if they did Princess and the Pea? And what if they called the princess Penelope? And I'm like, nah, the name Penelope would never stick. I see what I see on social media, and I'm like, shut up. Shut <laughs> now. I'm going to pitch what I on social media. I'm going to explain what I think the trailer is going to be, like the teaser trailer. 
because I had like this whole idea in my head what it was going to be basically was some some person basically she's been like an orphan her whole life or something and she had like a kind person taking care of her and he says this will lead you to your destiny and she like starts to laugh she's like a pee are you serious and she's like oh my gosh you're serious <laughs> so if Disney does the teaser trailer like that I'm going to be like all right, what newfangled devices do they have? Who's literally picking my brain? That's the whole reason that they don't uh, they don't take pitches from just from uh, without soliciting them first is because they're worried that they might have ideas identical to what someone else has and they don't want to get in trouble for that. That's I'm not. I'm just gonna <laughs> social media so that way if it happens. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna raise a fuss about it because I know um what's it called uh Princess and the P is public domain I know there's no such thing as really when something's under the public domain umbrella as stealing um no I I'm mean, just saying when you ha that they won't that's just the explanation for uh they come up with ideas and oftentimes those ideas are very similar to something someone else has already come up with yeah they want to they want to protect themselves in case someone so that's why when when someone will try to email disney an idea for a movie they'll say we can't take this because we don't take unsolicited submissions yeah it's just a fascinating thing that i know about so. and then with public domain stuff someone like so, so someone just in their backyard is like you know what I'm gonna make a horror movie about this because why not? I mean, they're legally within the right to. They'll arguably are. if they were I, clever I'm about like, it. Of course they are. I'm just like, oh come on, you, you can be a little more. If you're gonna do that, at least be creative with it. If they were clever, if they were clever in the first place, they wouldn't need to wait for public domain because they, if they were able to make it right, they could just make it a parody. Right, what that crappy looking Grinch movie is trying to do, but I don't know. I don't know how much they've. You know, I, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how well they are going to execute that as being. Actually, the Grinch one is actually pretty fun. I'm going to wait to see that before I pass it. But the the Pooh one looks so awful. Yeah, I saw. Oh, I saw that the the mask they're using that was a mask that was like sold, or they have a there's a similar mask. Except they think it's prosthetic or something, so you can move its mouth and stuff. Well, I saw Disney Dan posted a video of it on Twitter once, and I saw it, I was like, you know, this mask would make a great uh, horror movie mask. And then the finger on the monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. I have uh, theories pertaining to could possibly uh, be getting. Zootopia and Animal Kingdom, and I am not talking about the supposed concept art, Blue Sky concept art that they uh, revealed a few months ago in D23. Uh, I have been theorizing about it even months before then. Mainly, uh, I was watching what happened when uh, Joe Road retired from Imagineering, and I know that he hasn't exactly been a fan of putting Zootopia in his park. Um, I think there's but, a way um, to do it that would make everyone happy. I'm like, something's probably make, going on. Make it about, like, I guess, about. Well, the thing is, there's no humans in Zootopia. And I understand from what Joe Rody likes, 
he likes that Animal Kingdom is about human interaction with animals, which is why. Um, so uh, that's my understanding. But if you want to just do educational stuff, you could just make it about the habitats. Nick, uh, Nick was a big recycler too. I mean, let's not forget how much he recycled the stuff too. So he, you know, trying to get a lot for a hit bang for his buck. So. Nick could really show you the values of being, you know, like, you know. Watch this. They're going to reboot the Circle of Life show at Epcot and have it hosted by Nick instead. Because <laughs> the other well, I think when, when Emma was talking about the idea for doing it, uh, doing the, the bit with Flash as a, a nature documentary where the narrator is getting frustrated i'm like and 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 surely surely that will be picked by the randomizer on escape from vault disney <laughs> because national geographic gets picked all the time yeah but david Attenborough, the david Attenborough stuff i mean i don't think they've ever covered it on the podcast but from my understanding from other people is the david Attenborough stuff is usually at least somewhat interesting or at least it's interesting to listen to his voice I think he's the brother of the late Richard, if I'm remembering correctly. He's Richard Attenborough's brother. John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Sped no expense. I mean, just uh, as long as eventually uh, Walt Disney World uh, eventually gets a or permanent meet and greets for Nick and Judy. That would be fantastic. Uh, it's 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 a no wins that uh, it's a six year old film. It's still very well uh, noteworthy to some capacity, and yet uh, they don't. They they have the space. I know they have the space. I know they have the time. I know they have the money. But they have the technology. An inch uh, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. The key yeah. to these kinds of things is, is money plus time, and they have the money, so you just gotta. It's gonna happen, probably. Yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I think it was such a huge hit. There's no way we're not gonna get something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they try everything, can't they? Everything. Yeah, they, they, they... I'm sorry, I, I had to. Honestly, <laughs> if you have the money to fly to Shanghai, you could go visit it soon, but. That's going to be like the Indiana Jones ride, right? Except the newer, updated version of that technology. It looks, the car looks like an an EMV, uh, enhanced motion vehicle. So it's like, so it's like on a motion base and it's going to like shake. This is the standard plan of my life and yours. Well, yeah, but Disney technically did the motion base thing first. Yeah, they did. I have. have been hearing that uh, we are going to get um, Nick and Judy animatronics uh, for the attraction. Uh, I thought I heard something about the ride vehicles um, being unique in that uh, anytime there you, you come to collision, uh, collision with something, uh, it actually makes a dent in the uh, ride yeah, vehicle. Again. I thought you were like, oh, and it moved. And I was like, oh, well, no, that's... But yeah, dense, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And then oh. that could add to the enhanced motion vehicles, because then you could also feel the collision on your, the, in the motion combined with the dents in the vehicle. 
And I know how you they do with that without it being a potential safety issue, though. I'd have to I, see how that well, would actually they, work. Well, the, I know how they could do something like that. They would have to have like a rubber shell or something. And like, there's mechanics that push stuff inward. Yeah, it was like. Um, You'd have like, you'd have like, be a like kind of like kind of like what you feel on flight of passage on your legs oh, yeah. when you, you feel the breathing something like, kind of like that. Um, because I think I never got confirmation. I'm just basing this entirely on concept art, the motion simulator trolley ride that they were going to make for Roger Rabbit at MGM before they got decided not to do any of the Roger Rabbit stuff for various reasons, including Spielberg. Um, it looked like Roger Rabbit had smashed into the ceiling of the of the trolley and had made and it had made the shape of him. I think the way they would do that would be with like rubber or something, and they would have like a mold or something that uh, it's the mold the rubber, so it looks like he's suddenly his silhouette is imprinted onto the vehicle in three dimensions. That's what I think how they would do it in the Zootopia ride. That and maybe pro or maybe projection. I don't know, but it seems like projection on a vehicle that's constantly. Well, I think, I think as far as damage to, uh, I mean, it, this isn't on a vehicle, but I mean, Rise of the Resistance has that down pat. So I think if you were able to do that on a ride vehicle, even if it's like parts of it that are, I'm not sure. I I, I need to look at the vehicle again to see like. It's a police, basically a police cruiser. Yeah, but with twelve with twelve passengers, which is what makes another thing that makes me think it must be uh, like Indiana Jones, is it has twelve passengers, four three rows of four. Yeah, so I'm not sure how it would show. It's two rows of four, um, so it's eight passengers. Unless oh, eight it's, passengers. Unless so it's like a six. compact version. Unless it's six and six. Guys, I gotta step out. Okay. okay. Well, um, we're 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 pretty much ready to wrap up, anyways. Um, so, does anyone have anything I want to plug? Hey, Ruth, why don't you go first? What's your Twitter? And I'm totally not saying this because the audio got messed up at all. It's Ruth Hacobi, um at Ruth Hacobian on Twitter, like the at sign and then Ruth Hacobian. and it's R U T H. H-A-K-O-B-I-A-N and uh, it's the same thing for my Instagram and for YouTube it's R-K-I which is R-K-I-A-Y So that was all of Ruth's plugs and I apologize uh, some stuff has gotten kind of cut because um, Discord decided to not cooperate towards the end of our recording this is Editor Chandler by the way um, Tucker, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yes, I uh, am also on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm at Scruffy um, uh, Foxwell. Um, on uh, Instagram, I am at uh, Tidy Up Tuck, just like Fix It Felix, but Tidy Up Tuck. Um, I think that's pretty much the main places you could uh, find me. I am considering possibly doing a uh, reaction video um, or video series of videos um, for um, Zootopia Plus, but that's still kind of in the work. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's all I have. Brandon. Okay. Uh, uh, 
Well, my name is uh, Brandon Croker, uh, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-K-E-R, also known as the Bammy Man. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Brandon Croker, and uh, I also have a website, uh, brandonthebammyman.wordpress.com. You can find all of my different uh, uh, assorted video projects on there. And I also have a letterbox page if you're interested in seeing my various opinions on different movies that have come out. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at HuddleHippos1449. And yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's where you can find the Deer Boy. All right. I've been on the podcast multiple times and plugged lots of things, so I'm going to only plug a few specific things this time. Um, I have a podcast. It's called The Emperor's New Podcast. Um, it's mostly, except for like on April Fool's Day, we cover other things and stuff, about uh, The Emperor's New Groove franchise. Um, it, I also it also has Twitter at podcast t e n p. You can find me. My personal Twitter is at Micah Hirsch on Twitter. Um, and the podcast has a YouTube channel at podcast at the this, no YouTube channel is just called the Emperor's New Podcast. And on there, I recently posted uh, part one of a uh, fan made fanomatic, which uh, is like a animated storyboard basically or semi animated storyboard basically. Um, of an old fanfic I wrote called The Platypus's New Groove. So part one of that is on YouTube. Yay. Part two part two and three uh, will be out at some point. And I'm also working on a documentary about uh, the history and legacy of the Emperor's New Groove that will be on YouTube at some point next year. And a huge special thanks to Ava Moss, our good friend who unfortunately was not able to join us for the plug section because she had to duck out while we were recording towards the end there. Um, you can follow her at at avocado95 on Twitter. Please do so. She is wonderful. We love her. You can follow me on Twitter at Starport97 and at the YouTube channel Starport97, as well as this podcast at Podcast Acronym. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and I'm now available on iHeartRadio and Audible. Leave us a review, give us five stars, and share us with your friends. I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on my YouTube channel. I also visited a whole bunch of parks across the Midwest last summer, and I'm slowly working on getting those vlogs finished. The Holiday World video is finally out, so definitely go check that out. I'm working on getting the Cedar Point video edited, but I don't know how long that's going to take me. And I will definitely be making more videos about my more recent trips that I've taken, but I have to get through the backlog of old stuff I haven't edited yet first before I do those. Some of those parks are actually parks that I also visited last year, so... If you want to support me even more, be sure to check out my new and improved Patreon! That's right, I actually have a Patreon again. Patreon.com slash Starport97. Just a dollar a month gets you early access to new episodes of this podcast one day early, and new videos at least one week early. Sometimes more if I haven't finished the next one quite on time. If you follow the podcast on Twitter and have been keeping up with my recent posts, you already know that I've got some big plans for next year, and I'm really excited for it. I love making this show, and I really want to get back to doing it more consistently, as opposed to the much more scattershot method that kind of happened this year. I also really want to do more episodes like this one, where we talk with people who have worked on these shows. They're always a delight to do. I love hearing production stories from people who love what they do, and I plan on making a big effort to seek out more guests like that in the future. 
There's not going to be any new episodes of the show until the end of January when we talk about the All House's penultimate episode for the future. But I do have a bonus episode coming out within the next couple of days that Deagle and I recorded when I thought we might actually have a chance of getting a Christmas episode made. See what I mean? And that's a review we did of Avatar The Way of Water. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and I hope to see you all in the new year. You're down into Batman voice, Batman voice, then slowly begin choking, movie theater voice, let's go. <clears throat> and now, for your listening pleasure, Mouse at the Movies with D. Gill. Okay, maybe. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me. Now showing. <clears throat> now showing. <clears throat> now showing a clear throat. <clears throat> now showing Mouse at the Movies with D. Gill. Mm. Oh, that's a plane. Okay. Mm. Let's try something a little. Mm. Oh, I know. Mm. <clears throat> mm.